You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. A Sports Fix Thursday uh, with Tommy on the phone and me in studio. I didn't do a podcast yesterday. It's a long story. I'm not going to bore you with it. It's my fault. I could have done a short one. I had a period of, of time there where I could have done a short one, but there wasn't any major stuff going on, Tommy. So that's why I decided not to do one. I do want to real quickly before we get started, tell everybody about Window Nation and what they've got going on. Window Nation's offering 50% off all window styles. You don't have to make one payment for two years with no interest charged. It's that simple. If you haven't gotten windows from Window Nation before, but you've been thinking about new windows, trust us. I've gotten windows from Window Nation and a lot of listeners and friends have. It always works out. So give Window Nation a shot, please, at 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I told you uh, to call. I wanted to, before, we've got, we got several topics to get to today. The Nats game last night, which, you know, Bob Carpenter on my radio show yesterday th- said to me, this is a big game. You know, rarely do you hear that at one and four, but in a six, yeah. 60 game schedule, it, he may have been right. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about MLB's coronavirus compliance officers. Um, the NFL top 100 list is out. That'll lead into a skins or a Washington football team discussion. But I wanted to start with this story that I read very early this morning. And I knew a little bit about this story, but really couldn't talk about it. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. But I was curious as to when they came out with Washington football team last week is the strategy for at least an interim strategy. Um, they were able to secure WashingtonFootball.com as a domain name. They obviously were able to trademark some stuff. And I think that was the holdup, Tommy, on Warriors. I think Warriors would have proceeded in a rush job had the trademark and the domain name and a lot of that other stuff just been available. But I don't think it was. Um, This story from Nashville. uh, A Nashville man unknowingly sold a website domain name to the newly named Washington football team. A couple of weeks ago, the NFL franchise formerly known as the Washington Redskins changed its name to Washington football team. Before the team name was announced, Cal Spears was contacted by a broker from GoDaddy.com, a company that works with website names and hosting. Most of you know GoDaddy. Our girl Danica Patrick was the key spokeswoman for GoDaddy for many years. Some of those ads were outstanding. I'm a GoDaddy customer. I am too. I'm going to find out what you own at GoDaddy. Um, We'll talk about that in a moment. But anyway, this gentleman, Cal Spears, was contacted by GoDaddy and offered $3,500 for a domain name that he had purchased back in 2012. That domain name, WashingtonFootball.com. He's quoted in this story. He said, I bought a series of college football domains back then. It was state names plus football, like alabamafootball.com, tennesseefootball.com, a couple of basketballs, Tennessee basketball, Kentucky basketball. The, the idea was to create some kind of community website for the college fans and maybe sell gear like e-commerce style. And he said that he was interested primarily in the SEC names, but WashingtonFootball.com just came as part of the package. So I guess as he started to put in these URLs, you know, and say, I want to purchase, they offered up a bunch of suggested ones, and one of them was WashingtonFootball.com, and he took it. 
Now, this guy, Cal Spears, is the CEO of Roto Grinders, which is a fantasy sports website. And he said that when he was contacted by GoDaddy, he was in the midst of preparing for baseball. Like he, he and his team, he said they were we were really busy with our fantasy sports website because we were about to have live sports back. And he said, quote, there was very little back and forth. We settled on a price that was way greater than what I paid for it. And by the way, most of those, you know, if you get it right from the get-go and no one's owned it before, it's like nine ninety-five, you know, to buy yeah. a domain name and a URL. He said, we settled on a price that was far greater than what I paid for it, a price that is way greater than what I paid for it at the time. I wasn't really thinking too much about is it an NFL team and what they might pay, what a billion-dollar franchise might pay. He ended up accepting $10,000. Ended up accepting $10,000 for the domain name. Afterward, he um, raised the question with GoDaddy about to whom he had sold this thing. And the next day, Washington announced its new name, Washington Football Team, and he realized who he had sold it to. He, he said, quote, the announcement came out and there was no new team name. There was no new mascot. It was just Washington football team. I sold the domain to Dan Snyder. And he started thinking about, you know, uh, how much he may have missed out on. He donated the $10,000 to a Native American charity, the American Indian College Fund, after he found out about, uh, you know, uh, who he had sold it to. But... I I found, I was curious about this and various other things r- related to the name when they came out with Washington Football uh, Team, and I, I you know I was sort of it was sort of indicated to me that there were just a lot of issues with trademarks and domain names and a lot of those things that just take time, which I think they did the smart thing by waiting and not rushing it. I actually think there's a chance they're going to keep this name. Um, d- down the road. I wish it were FC Washington or Washington FC. Washington football team is hard. It's just hard to brand. You can see, by the way, Tommy, they're really just trying to brand Washington, not Washington football team. Washington's on the front of their jersey on their website, fo- uh, WashingtonFootball.com. Um, it's just a big banner that says Washington, and then the subheading is, you know, football team established 1932. But this dude sold this name to the Reds, to the Washington football team, to Terry and Dan for 10,000 bucks. This is one of those winning off the field moments for the organization because (laughs) I guarantee you they never thought they could get it for $10,000. And, you know, I know Terry well enough to know that you know, he certainly didn't telegraph that they were out there looking for anything. He went to GoDaddy. GoDaddy acts as the intermediary, the broker in these situations. You know, if you if you went to GoDaddy and you were interested in a URL and, and, and domain name that was taken, GoDaddy would go make an offer on your behalf to see if the owner was interested in selling it. You know, it wasn't that Dan Snyder picked up the phone and called this guy and say, hey, it's Dan Snyder of the Washington football team. We're changing our name to Washington football team, and we need WashingtonFootball.com, and we'll pay you for it. No, they went in stealth 
with GoDaddy acting on their behalf, not disclosing who it was who was interested, and they caught this guy napping a little bit. It's it's hard to believe, right, given how much a part of the news the na- the team's name has been over the last month, not just sports news, and he's a sports guy. He, he's the CEO of a big fantasy website. And for him, if it didn't even occur to him. I, I bet you That's he... hard to believe. That's really hard to believe that he wouldn't have been uh, aware uh, that somebody wanting to buy Washington football uh, wouldn't have to do with the name controversy. Yeah, right. This team, it's, it's national news. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's almost as, as strange to believe that Dan Snyder wouldn't have been better prepared for this moment when it came. Yeah, you're right. Uh, although, you know, there was that story, and I have no idea if it's accurate or not, that they had been marking Warriors when Washington Warriors for a while, um, at least from a trademark standpoint, not necessarily a domain name standpoint. In fact, I've, I've got a, a story about that here in a moment, but that they let it expire. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. letting it expire recently recently as in pre George Floyd it it was the least it was the least amount that it's been an issue in forever it just it was way backburnered for all of the people that have been pushing for the name to change because of the momentum that the team had with the 2016 Washington Post Bowl, with the Supreme Court decision uh, that protected their trademarks, with the survey last year of Native Americans that revealed that the number one word that they associated with the team name was proud. You know, it's, so they really weren't being pushed in recent, you know, in the recent year or two years leading up to this. But he should have recognized that it would always have a have a. There was always a possibility of it coming back because of an event of some sort or a new. I mean, poll. that's. I mean, if you're if you're a good businessman, you've got to have vision for what can go right and what can go wrong. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just. I mean, I'm not surprised. Because I, I know the way they do business, but uh, there's no way they should have been caught unaware of the possibility that they would, if they had a preference to change the name, they may have to use it someday. Right. You know, um, ten thousand bucks. So is what this guy got for it. I wouldn't be surprised if they would have been willing to offer a lot more. I mean, how much more? Six figures. Oh, easily six figures. Easily six figures. Uh, that's what I'm guessing. If not, wow. if not more than that, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the list of the biggest sales um, of domain names in recent years in a mo- in a moment. But one just quick comment. I know Terry well enough and have actually negotiated with Terry before because he was the CEO of the radio station. When GoDaddy got back to him and said he'll take ten thousand bucks for it, it wouldn't surprise me if Terry said, "Tell him we'll give him eighty five hundred instead of just saying, "Are you serious? Quickly sign, t- take it, and get it over with." Um, but anyway, uh, I, I'm partially, uh, uh, I'm, I'm being partially sarcastic. But the um, 
Yeah, I, I think this was a big win off the field for them. A huge win off the field uh, for them. Real quickly, before I get to the other part of this, which is just historically what these domain names can go for. The um, I got a call from somebody about three weeks ago who claimed to own WashingtonWarriors.com. It's somebody that I know, and I, I'm, I, I'm not going to reveal his name because I promised him that I would not. But I told him, I'm like, wow, I mean, if that, I think that's the direction they want to go in. This was three weeks ago, and I still believe that to be true. I think that was the preferred name. But I think they ran into to issues with the trademark with Washington Warriors um, and some other things. And then on the domain name, they were going to have to pay for it. Uh, because it was already owned. And, and my buddy told me that he had purchased it for a couple of thousand dollars a few months back. And I think he sort of saw the possibility that the name thing would come back up after George Floyd. And he went and had GoDaddy you know, br- uh, be the, act as the intermediary. And I think, I don't know, he paid a couple of thousand dollars for it. But what happened recently, and it was before Washington football name, he was contacted by GoDaddy to say that his sale, his purchase, excuse me, was voided. And he said, what do you mean? Really? We have confirmation. He said, no, it was voided. There was, and they got into some ridiculous explanation, which he was fighting. Um, and I believe still is. And, but... My first reaction when he told me the story was, well, th- then the team was coming after it, and for whatever reason, the GoDaddy decided to help the team out. And apparently that's not true. It's somebody else that owns it. It might be that guy that's been profiled by the Post and others that has a bunch of trademarks and domain names and has been sort of preparing for this moment. And maybe he let it expire accidentally, and then when when everything popped back up, he tried to go get it and maybe was able to retrieve it. I don't have any more information other than that, that a guy that I know thought he had WashingtonWarriors.com, and, you know, shortly before the team admitted... Shortly before the team announced that they were going to drop the name and pursue a new a new name, they got back to him to tell him the transaction had been voided. So anyway, so Tommy, here's something that's interesting, and I, I pulled up a list of the biggest domain name private sales, or, or you know, they're not private because they're they're out here, but they're they are private sales, you know, through GoDaddy and others. In in history, and I think this this story was printed in late 2019, so there may be some that have exceeded this. Voice.com was sold for $30 million on May 30th, wow. 2019. <clears throat> sold by MicroStrategy, which is a local company in Northern Virginia, Michael Saylor, was the you know entrepreneur that started that company 25 years ago probably now to block.com I, I really can't um, or block something uh, for 30 million dollars was the sale it's really not important uh, about that but 30 million bucks voice.com now what have they done with voice.com it's a good question I didn't look that up I'm looking it up right now voice.com is I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm you know, you're, you're, you're selling something that doesn't really exist. 
I mean, it's, it's you can't grab it. You can't see it. Right. You can't touch it. And it's worth $30 million. $30 million bucks. $30 million. It, it's, it's, it's like a non-entity. It's, it's got no... It's it's got no life existence. No, but they get, it's, it's, but it's not built. It's 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 not found and created in a laboratory. It's 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 typed. It's word. It's a word. Yes. It's a description. I mean, what what would be the comp to that? Because you can't say that. I don't about... know. I don't know for thirty million dollars. Thirty million bucks. Right. So <clears throat> I may have told you this story in the past, but a group of friends of mine who I've known for a long time and, and they have um, lived offshore for many years, and I'll leave it at that. They sold WallStreet.com many, many years ago for a million bucks. They had it, you know, back in the early days of the internet and URLs and domain names, I think the company that was um, distributed them and sold them was a company by the name of Network Solutions. I believe that's true. GoDaddy must be the biggest now. Um, but early on, people started grabbing these things thinking they might be able to sell them to big-name companies like McDonald's or Walmart or Microsoft or Apple. You know, um, And you know, a lot of them got sold. Now, I found this list. As I mentioned, voice was the highest. Next highest was sex.com, which sold for $13 million on November 1st, 2010. Tesla.com was sold for $11 million in 2018. Hotels.com sold for $11 million on 9-1-2001. And then basically, of the next 50 um, URLs, domain names, a lot of them are porn and gambling related. (laughs) The one thing I realized, because, you know, I was in a business that was sort of part of the early days in the wild, wild west of the internet, and we were trying to create a retail offering via the internet, grocery shopping via the internet. We were a little bit ahead of our time, but... Anyway, um, I was paying attention to a lot of these things back then, much more so. And one of the things that I absolutely know to be pretty close to truth is that for the first 20 years of the internet, most things failed and failed miserably. And when I say most things, things that were trying to generate revenue by the sale of some product. There are three things that worked more than anything else. They were no-brainer absolute lock winners from day one. Porn, gambling, and anything having to do with weight loss. Weight loss is such a big business in this country. You know, any sort of diet, any sort of weight loss recommendation, weight loss became a huge thing in the early days of the internet. I'm looking through um, some of the biggest sales. Porn.com's number six. Porno.com's number seven. I already told you sex.com was number uh, two. Beer.com went for $7 million back in 2004. Slots.com. Casino.com. Um, let me find the other uh, gambling. Poker.com. A uh, lot of gambling related. A lot, lot more uh, pornography related uh if you would gra- and here's the wallstreet.com that I told you about. I know the guys that sold this. They're 87th on the list of the biggest sales of all time. Wow. Just over a million bucks, 1,030,000. Uh 
in July of 2005, which I actually think this could have been the second sale of this because I think the group I know sold it earlier than that, but I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, um, would have been... You know, I, 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 I know you probably have been, uh, and this is one way where we differ, and one, one of I'm just not built that way, and I wish I was sometimes, but I've never been a, an opportunist when it comes to money. Well, you, the way I you just, just put it was, it was so, it was so sort of unseemly I, and negative. I didn't mean it to be. I, I know you, I know you didn't, the but the way you did, many people will think, Ooh, well, he just I, called, he just called Kevin an opportunist No, or no, said no, his I've ilk just, is opportunist. No, I've just never, I've yeah. just never thought in, 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 in that, in those kinds of, of visionary smart terms that this could make me money. I look, I have no problem with money. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's just not. Uh, I, I, it's just always not what I've thought of. Uh, and uh, you know, I know a lot of guys who I don't consider geniuses compared to me uh, are a lot richer <laughs> than I. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way. I I feel the same way. But you know. Um, so it's funny because I do – I don't always feel feel that way, but I, I often think whenever there's like a business discussion, I always think in terms of, you know, whether or not it'll work. And, you know, I think, I think many people think that and what it would really be worth if it did work. This is not even this is a business, but if you started, you know, snagging these URLs in nineteen ninety-five from network solutions and you got the biggest and the most valuable ones, I mean you talk about the easiest path to being a multimillionaire. It was that. Now I, I know with trademark law, you have to actually be um, you know, making progress or creating a business around it that, that, and, and, and maybe the same as with a domain name, but you know, those things, people much brighter with much more vision were all over that early on, you know, I don't, I, and, and you would hope that in some of these companies, they got their own domain name without having to pay for it. Cause they had smart people in the companies that said, Hey, we better get our if we're ever going to have a website, you know, in 1995, we better snag this thing up for nine bucks versus having to pay a half yeah. million for it in three years. But um, absolutely, I, I I definitely typically think when when there's a, a conversation about a business, how do they generate revenue? What are the costs? Can you make a profit? And how big will it be? I mean, it, which by the way is the simplest way to think about anything. And would I buy it or use it? Because the 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 Warren Buffett you know theory of do I like the product do I use the product do I have experience yes. with the product there's a lot of truth in that and there's also yes. a, a, depending on your personal you know taste and you know willing to try and be an early adopter etc and most people aren't wired that way you know there's also something to be said with uh, I don't get it but that doesn't mean much because. Uh, there, it looks like there are millions that do, but I, I isn't he, Warren Buffett the guy who said something like, "Look in your kitchen cabinet, look around your yeah. house, yeah. write down the names of the companies that make this stuff, and that's who you should invest." Of course, in. yeah. You know, Warren Buffett also interviewed, if you recall, for Michael Scott's job. 
<laughs> so you, you know, I was thinking about that because that episode was on recently when they were, you know, they ended up, um, actually it wasn't for Michael Scott's job, right? It was for Will Ferrell's job because Will Ferrell yeah. came in as Michael Scott's replacement for a couple of episodes. And then it ended up being James Spader, who I thought was phenomenal in that role. Fabulous. And I think those episodes. Robert California. Yeah, I think, the, I think those episodes are so underrated with him. He was so yeah. brilliant in the role. But there were several people who interviewed for that job, um, and Warren Buffett was one of them. And um, oh my God, why was it am Ray I? Ray Romano wanted them. Uh, Ray Romano was wasn't uh, Odenkirk one of them? I don't know if he was or not. Jim Carrey was one of them. Jim Carrey was right. One, yes. Yeah, I think we're forgetting somebody. Somebody big. Uh whatever. Whatever. Anyway, um, the guy in Nashville that has a sports company should have been paying attention to what was going on here in D.C. Because I think he could have gotten more than ten grand for uh, for the domain name. But anyway, yeah. Um, so real quickly before we get to uh, this MLB stuff, uh, I wanted to quickly mention because I did watch the last two or three innings of the game last night. That was really a compelling baseball game. Last night, the, I, I didn't see it start to finish, but you know, a pitching duel with, by the way, a really good young pitcher and prospect in Nate Pearson for Toronto against Scherzer, who took it into the eighth inning, Tommy, with 112 pitches. You know, it was he, he felt the moment like last night was big and they needed to get this game, and he was brilliant. You know, he pitched seven and a third, gave up three hits. Um, no runs and struck out 10. And then Hudson came in and was great. Rainey came in and was great. For those that didn't pay attention or haven't paid attention, the Nats were off to a 1-4 and four start in a 60-game schedule. They've had no Juan, Juan Soto, which we'll get to in a moment. But last night we're on the verge of potentially losing three in a row to the Jays. And the Jays have Ryu pitching today. Uh, against Fetty because Fetty's taking Strasburg's place. So, you know, you were staring without Scherzer getting you a win last night at a potential 1-6 and six start to the season in a 60-game schedule. So last night was a big game, relatively speaking. Yes, yes it was a big game, which it's kind of illustrative of what a farce this is going to turn out to be. <laughs> okay, so before... I mean, okay, I mean... Because, I mean, let's, let's go down this road. Let's say it's the middle of August and uh, a team is out of it. What's to stop players from saying, hey, you know, I'm going home. This is, we, we don't have a chance to win. I haven't even thought and this about is too that. It's dangerous. I, you know what? You know? That's a really, really interesting, interesting thought. Or a, like a little tweak, a little injury that they might normally play with. They just say, hey. I'm opting you out. Know, I'm, not, I'm getting out of here. I mean, you know, my leg hurts and it's not going to heal in four weeks. Well, it would create the opportunity, though, for the expanded rosters which they've created and a lot of people that would be looking for that opportunity, just like they would yes, in September yes. on a bad team. Yes, that's good. So you'll be watching – triple-A baseball. Yeah, well, that's true, but it's better than watching forfeit after forfeit. Yes. Yeah, they're not going to forfeit, but at some point, the, the competitive issue is going to come into play. 
with this, especially if players start dropping once, you know, the season is pretty much quickly, and it could be quick, as, as you just talked about. One and six would be on the way to a quick exit for the season already if some of these teams quickly find that their season is over before they even blinked. Right. So can I just mention one thing about the end of the game here? Because it was their first extra innings game of the year, which you know brings in the new rule, which is you start the uh, top half of the 10th and the bottom half of the 10th, every extra inning, with a runner on second base. If you, For those of you that don't know that, that's what baseball's doing to try to speed up the uh, the extra inning game so that you don't end up with a 17-inning game. To be perfectly honest with you, if both teams have the same advantage, I don't know why they think there's an increased chance of it speeding up. But anyway, the Nats were the road team last night at home because Toronto doesn't have a home park right now. It's going to be Buffalo. Yeah. It's going to be Buffalo, right? Yes. So the Nats were hitting in the top half of the 10th in a 0-0 game. And you get to basically either put the player who was up last in the previous inning. And for them, uh, that was Castro who grounded out. So you can actually use Castro and put him on second base, or you can pinch run for him. And they pinch ran for Castro using this guy Bonifacio who had that big uh, base running uh, uh, um, error the other night um, against the Yankees. So he's on second. Keyboom walks on a great at-bat. Stevenson walks on a great at-bat. Robles and Turner strike out back-to-back. So you got two out and two on. And Eaton uh, hits, you know, a... High hopping ground ball infield to the second baseman who lunges to second base. They ruled him safe. The replay said he was safe. I actually thought he was out, but there wasn't enough replay evidence to overturn it. And now the bases are loaded um, with Cabrera coming to the plate. And just as a quick uh, mention, as Drupal Cabrera is a professional hitter. He's one of those guys that you people, you baseball people, would describe as a professional hitter. Yes. Am I right? Yes, the guy who can roll out of bed, uh, walk up to the plate and get a hit. <laughs> exactly. And and grind it out and, and foul off a bunch of pitches if need be. Um, and he takes three balls, and I thought he took one that would that look like a strike, and then he turns on uh, a, a four-seam fastball down the middle of the plate and rips it down the first baseline, clears the bases, um, and they're up 4 nothing uh, because the Eaton ground ball uh, had already scored uh, Bonifacio. Anyway, so I wanted to make this point because I thought it was interesting last night. I'm listening to Carpenter and F.P. Santangelo call the game. And this is the first time so far in the four or five days or six days or whatever baseball's been back that I saw a game played in extra innings with the runners starting on second base. And FP said, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the strategy for the team that's up with a runner on second base. You know, do you bunt them over to third and try to get the sack fly to get a run, Um, you know, depending on the lineup? But he said the more interesting part of this is the team that's in the field defensively, how they handle it if they get into a bind. And what he was saying, Tommy, and I thought it made a lot of sense, is typically in an extra innings game, you're you're trying to do whatever you can do to prevent any run because any run is very damaging in, in, in the top half of an inning. 
and puts you into a real difficult situation to be able to win the game by tying it up with at least one in the bottom half. But because you start with a runner on second with nobody out, if you get into a bind like the Jays did with the bases loaded, you are much more willing, given the, the way this is being played, to give up the run on th- with the runner on third and play it differently defensively than you would in a normal game. I thought it was a really good point, something that maybe has been brought up many times already in the first four or five days of the season. I just hadn't thought of it that way. And and Toronto was really in that position where you know Cabrera tripled, but if he had hit uh, you know a ground ball. You know, you probably, with the bases loaded, wouldn't have played the infield in with no outs so that you could get the runner at home. You may have played the infield in their normal position saying, we're going to give up that run on third because we've got a runner on second to start the bottom half of the inning. That's a very good point. An excellent point. Uh, You know, it, 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 it brings in a whole new strategy that we don't need. <laughs> yeah. Well, it cha- right. It changes the game, definitely. Yeah, that we don't need. And it, it, it sounds like something out of, out of Little League uh, when you really think about it. You know, I'm not – I'm in favor of change. Like, I, I've told you before, if they cut the games to seven innings, I'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, they're talking about doing it this year and trying to create double headers. Uh, seven, you know, have some games go seven innings. You mean because of uh, the Marlins cancel? Like it's going to be yes. right, but not that, yes. that. That wasn't the plan going into this, but because no. of the Marlins outbreak, right? Um, yeah, if they're going to so, get those games uh, played. So I'm not a, a, a you know basically a fundamentalist when it comes to baseball, but but uh, I just don't see the need. I like extra inning ball games. I do too. I, I think there's a lot the of drama. I don't see the need to cut them short. Okay, by the time you've gotten to the 11th or 12th inning, all you've got for the 10th inning, all that's left are baseball fans watching anyway. You know, it's not like your viewership is going to dramatically drop in the 10th inning. The people who are there at that point, they want to be there watching. Yeah, the issue is when it gets into the 14th and the 15th. Then nobody's left in the park and not many people are watching. If it's yeah, you know, but if it's people were talking about it the next morning. The next morning, it's news. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Cabrera's you know triple the Nats win four nothing. Their bullpen was exceptional, and you know then you get the Juan Soto story, and I'll just net it out for you from my perspective. He's given he's tested negative twice. Baseball cleared him yesterday. Now, by the time many of you listen to this podcast, maybe this story has already been resolved. But according um, to uh, the team, it's the D.C. Health Department that needs to clear him. Are you effing kidding me? Are you kidding me? What's wrong with that? That local government hasn't cleared him yet and didn't clear him yesterday to play in that game. Local government kept the Toronto Blue Jays from playing in Pittsburgh. Local Local government is so slow more times than not, and I'm not going to start this argument with me with you because you have uh, 
I just, it's just not what I've been involved in with the course of my life, worrying about vacation and floating holidays and two-hour lunch breaks. The D.C. Health Department should have gotten him cleared and better get him cleared today to play this afternoon. How hard could it be for the D.C. Health Department to clear him? So, in other words, if it was a different situation, if it wasn't a baseball team, should they make it the same top priority? If, but because it's the baseball team, it takes greater priority. Yes, in this city, it does. How? Oh, I mean, how okay. how difficult would it could it be? When how, it comes to health, when it comes to health care, in other words, the ball players have a higher priority than than the average citizen. Uh, you know, I'm saying that partly tongue uh, placed in cheek, but because they're clearly not essential workers. But Tommy, how long could this take? I mean, it took me three months to get a marriage license in D.C. I told that story. I'm, I, I'm, I'll, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it was three trips to Indiana Avenue, and I, it, it was one of the most frustrating experiences of my life. This hasn't taken three months, but Dave Martinez is just hoping he'll be back for next week. I would think that Muriel Bowser, who's a big Nats fan, and this team that just provided one of the greatest thrills this city's ever had, certainly in, in my lifetime, could get their best player or one of their best players cleared and off the COVID-19 injured list after baseball cleared him and he tested negative twice. Okay. You can't. Look, I'm, I, I don't know what, what the holdup is, why there is a holdup, but what you can have is a double standard. There's already a double standard for test results for major league ball players and as opposed to the average citizen. Yes, there is. You can't have that. And, I, and that's the wrong look. You can't have that. There shouldn't be a double standard. If it's, if it's a screwed-up process for Joe Blow off the street, it should be a screwed-up process for Juan Soto. You know, it's fair to think about it that way, but we've already made the decision here, or people have made the decision here, to test athletes more often and return their results much quicker. You know, I had Scott Brooks on the show this morning, and I was asking him about what it was like in the Orlando bubble down there. And one of the questions I asked him, I said, how often are you being tested, and how quickly do you get the results? Because that is a major problem right now in a lot of places. My son uh, took a COVID-19 test two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, just got the results back yesterday. Now, how... How, how worthless are the results two and a half weeks later? Yes, yes. And you know what Brooks told me? He said, we're tested every day and we get the results back the next day. Well, that, that, that's absurd. I mean, it <laughs> well, just shows that, that, that this whole thing, I mean, and, and they should be taking the task for it. There should be a lot more being made about something like this. Believe me, the NBA and baseball were scared about how this would look. You're right about that. And, they Adam Silver talked about that. He didn't uh, want to take away that, testing from essential workers. And, and and you could argue, well, they're not. I mean, these these workers would these tests would be given by other businesses who would be paying top dollar to have their employees tested or something like that. Uh, but uh, I, I I'm surprised this hasn't gotten more pushback. It bothers me. I'm tomorrow, by the way, I'm going for a, a COVID test. When is your trip again? It's uh, August 15th. Okay. And so you're going for so the I test? I think I'm leaving. My, yeah, I'm going I'm to take the test tomorrow. 
All right. Um, it's an, I've told you before, it was an easy, right. not uncomfortable at all test. Uh, I couldn't believe But, well, but you, you get, you get the, the, the small swab test. I got the swab in my nose test. Yeah, I know that. But there's one, the one that the small swab that takes 10 days to get the results. Well, no, this, was a, this swab, was a long swab. Because the long swabs, you supposedly could get the results within minutes. Um, there's a rapid test. I haven't had the rapid test. I just had the swab that was stuck into my nose was long. Okay. I mean, I'm not into comparing swab length, but it didn't appear to be a short swab. Well, it must have, you know, you probably got a lot of space between your nostrils and your brain. (laughs) So, All right. You wanted to talk about MLB adding this COVID-19 compliance officer, and I'm sure you're going to rip Rob Manfred. You know, even though 6,400 players tested uh, Friday and not one positive test except for the Miami players as of yesterday. But go ahead. Friday was July 24th. Right. right? July Mm -hmm. 24th. Supposed to be the low time for this virus to to spread. Uh, Again, this is my whole premise about this is come September... This, this, this is not going to hold up when, uh, when we supposedly get the second wave that everybody is predicting. Uh, so I think this is an exercise in, 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 in foolishness. And part of the idea of having these coronavirus monitors is the problem when you're dealing with these athletes. This is why when they came up with this manual initially, uh, I said that this will never work. Because you're never going to get players to adhere to this. I've been in clubhouses. I've been in locker rooms. I know how players act. And, and to get them to follow these protocols, come on. It's, it's, I mean, a lot of these people are children. They're not going to do it. <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, they, they need a coronavirus monitor. And now the big thing will be among some players, and some athletes, how do we get past the coronavirus monitor? That will be their newest, uh, you know, mission. Of course, it will be. How do we skip by the monitor? So we can get and, to the. So we can get to the. We can get to the club, or we can go to a yes. restaurant. Yes, I mean. Or we can get to our girls, who we've know, got I in mean, all these cities. Yeah, if you're requiring, you're you are relying. Look, just like the general public. In the spread of this coronavirus, you're relying on a certain amount of self-discipline of people mm-hmm. to help reduce the spread. Well, of course, you're, the same thing goes for the world of the NFL, the world of, of, of baseball, unless you have them locked up like the NBA and can keep them locked up, or the NHL, which went to another country uh, smartly as it turned out. So if you're relying on the discipline of these athletes to keep the virus from spreading, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. And I just think that this is, this is going to come to a stop. And like I said, that's one thing. All it's going to take is another Marlins situation for some players to say, that's it. That's it. I'm done. There'll be some players that their wives will call them and they'll say, honey, come home. And they'll come home. 
And like I said, you've got this whole other issue that we talked about earlier in the podcast of teams that are going to be out of this, you know, even though 16 teams go to the playoffs, teams that are going to be out of this pretty quickly by the middle of August. They know they're not going to have any shot to make the playoffs. And then these players are going to say to themselves, well, what am I doing here? Geez, my neck hurts. You know that twinge I had in my elbow? It's really bothering me. i got to go home. It's just set up to fail. September and October, I, I hope I'm wrong, are going to be nightmare months for this country for many reasons. Nightmare. You know, we still don't have any information on the 18 positive tests, including 16 players, in the Marlins outbreak. I just think it's... I think it's important to find out what the results are. How many were symptomatic? How many, if any, got sick? You know, like I, I when there's like a when there's a big fear over a snowstorm and you got to stay in, you can't travel, and turns out to be not nearly as bad, but people still are staying home and they're not traveling. And then somebody, it's usually me, goes out and drives around. And I'm like, it's nothing. The roads are fine. It's not a big deal. It really didn't stick. It's not very icy at all. Like, tell me if these people are getting sick because positive tests. There's there's not enough of you out there. One way I described it to somebody, uh, your chances of being struck by lightning are one in 100,000. Yet, when there's a lightning storm, what do you do? You run for cover. Well, yes. Uh, not everybody runs for cover. I know. I, I actually try to adhere to lightning um, safety guidelines. Did, was okay. it? Did I have Doug Cameron on the podcast or on the radio show? I can't remember. I had Cameron on after somebody got struck by lightning somewhere to ask him about all the myths of of lightning strikes versus the things that were real. Like you know, you shouldn't be in a shower during a lightning storm um that's actually not smart because of the water pipes and their their conductor i guess um but uh you know i once i once wrote a story when i was in easton with the express about a guy who was sitting on the on the uh, john who got struck by lightning <laughs> uh came up through the pipes and got him in the uh, got him in the air did he die no he didn't die mm. but they had to take him to the hospital yeah, there's some, there's lightning, uh, whatever. It's not a terrible analogy. I just we know we know that it's a long shot with lightning. It's an even bigger. I think it might be even even be a bigger long shot with uh, young people with no underlying you know health risks. It it probably is, but uh, and young people are not as affected as the, of the fear factor as other people until they get families. And stuff, then they become afraid. Yeah, okay. Because the stakes are higher. Well, um, the one thing that I and I I would have said this on the podcast yesterday, but I'm glad you're here because you and I talked about this on Tuesday when the immediate reaction from many was after the Marlins outbreak. Well, that's it. Sports are over. You know, sports aren't over yet. 
6,400 players were tested on Friday with not one positive result on every other team that weren't that wasn't the Miami team. The NBA is over on uh, positive tests so far in their bubble. The bubble, you know, situation is completely different. I understand that. Yes, it is. Um, and that one is in the U.S. It's in Orlando. I mean, you keep, you know, you keep emphasizing they had to go out of the country. Hockey did to get it right. Well, the NBA's in Orlando. The last time I checked, that's in Florida, which is a state in the United States, uh, different than a lot of states, but still um, a state. Um, and they seem to be getting it right. I think the biggest concern I have about all of this is, and, and you mentioned they don't have a plan for a major outbreak. They admitted that. They don't have a plan for somebody who gets seriously ill. They haven't admitted that one. The football thing with so many more people involved in the operation, not in a bubble, a sport where it's impossible to socially distance. Yes. That is the one that I'm Well, I don't know. The Redskins, I've seen it. You know, Redskins defense has socially distanced pretty well a couple of times. Oh, funny. Um, But I, that's the one because also it's the one that I want to see played so much. That's the one that I'm I'm concerned about. You know, we're going to have a summer here with no preseason games, which means no travel. So, you know, the baseball, this only happened when baseball started to travel because nothing was going on when they were playing intra-squad scrimmages or whatever. Um, The NFL is not going to have any preseason games, so it's very possible that they'll be able to keep everything to a minimum, although you're reading about positive tests and you're reading about a lot of NFL players opting out, which I find interesting. You know, Damian Williams didn't even – the Chiefs running back who had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl has opted out, and there was no reason given based on what I read. There could have been an underlying health condition or a family concern um, but uh, but he, it, the, it, the news story didn't reveal that. What was revealed was that Nate Solder, the Giants offensive lineman, has a five-year-old who's battling cancer, and he's a cancer survivor himself. So I understand why he is opting out, and others have. And there, boy, a lot of Patriots have opted out. And have you seen all the conspiracy yeah. theories on this one? No. That Belichick's no, basically not. talking all these guys into opting out so they can get Trevor Lawrence for next year. So they're going to tank the <laughs> season. Um, yeah, how, how would that work exactly? So you're going to lose a year of salary. You're not going to get paid anything but a stipend for this next season. But it'll be really good for the team because we'll get Trevor Lawrence. I don't think so. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, football's going to be tough because they're just... It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to do uh, because I, unless the experts are wrong, uh, the virus will be a bigger presence in October and September than it is in July and August. Well, I wouldn't bet on any of that, any of those I know that. I said if, if they're wrong. Yeah, which you know? they've been I mean, many right times. right now, look, right now, the death count is 150,000. Yep. It wasn't supposed to be 150,000 until October. So, here's here's the thing. I, I, I don't know that that's right. I remember the projections were between a hundred thousand and two hundred and fifty thousand, and you're telling me that that was going to be through the second wave. I thought that was just through the first wave. No, a hundred and fifty thousand, according to the White House, mm. was supposed to be by October. Okay. 
Um, Here's a bit of baseball news to, to illustrate what I'm getting at. One of the things I'm getting at, I think, and I should have mentioned this before, Orioles baseman Chris Davis was, was told reporters he was going to play with a mask while playing first base. Okay? He didn't even show up for last night's game against the Yankees. Well, he was unavailable. There have been players that have been playing with a mask. Right. But he was going to play with a mask. There was no reason given for his absence, but he was unavailable for last night's game against the Yankees. It's, it's the fear factor is, is, is a real thing, whether you think it's fo- people think it's foolish or not. Markakis decided to play after back. initially opting yeah. out. I know. He came back. Now, uh, my, my point is I don't, you can't criticize people for having a fear of this. I don't think you can. Well, you definitely can't be critical of somebody who's opting out because they have an underlying health condition or somebody close to them in their family that they see every day has one. Like the Nate Solder thing with the Giants, he's got a five-year-old battling cancer and he's a cancer survivor himself. Right. That's obvious. You know, um, I, I when when you have – you're right. You know what? Here's why you're right. You're right because nobody knows anything about this thing. And there are people that err on the side of caution all the time when they don't have all the facts. And that's totally fair and totally justifiable. And so the people who are saying, I'm opting out even though I'm perfectly healthy and I don't have any underlying health conditions and I'm single and live by myself... And, you know, but I'm worried. You can't be critical of that because uh, the one thing I would say about all of this is I have no idea what where, the, where this thing's going to be, you know, a month from now, three months from now, six months from now. I'm more concerned than I was a few months back. CJ and I were talking about this this morning, not on the air, but during one of the breaks, just that the the infection rate climbing and the outbreaks and the hot spots and you know the fact that the the warm weather didn't kill it and some of the horror stories about the real severe cases of covid-19 and the fact that you still have all of this arguing and politiz- you know the politicking around the the therapeutics that are out there you know i how how am i as someone that did that never went to med school supposed to to read all that this stuff about hydroxychloroquine or remdesivir or any of these things and really know anything they, it doesn't seem like the experts know anything so uh, there's total reason and totally justifiable rational reasons for being concerned and deciding that, you know, $18 million when you already have $50 million in the bank as a baseball player, potentially, you'll pass on to live. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when it comes to health care, when it comes to a person's health, I think it's the most personal decision that, that you can have, and I don't think you can really criticize. This is why I've always been reluctant uh, to criticize athletes who get hurt a lot because, I mean, nobody knows what's going on inside somebody's mind when it comes to their health. And, you know, the people, and I've seen this a lot, um, you know, those that have had no choice 
over the last five plus months to get up, to go to work, to risk their health because they don't have a choice. They have bills to pay. They have families to feed. They have responsibilities. And they are essential workers. Or even if they're not essential, their businesses didn't shut down. And they've got to go to work. And I understand the eye-rolling from people like that who say, are you kidding me? The dude's 23 years old. He's making and he's worth millions of dollars. And he gets tested every day. And they get the results back. And they've got the best doctors and the whole thing. You know, go to work and, and entertain me. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, criti- I'm not critical of those people either. I understand where, where they're coming from. But it, perspective, you know, life's about perspective, and it's hard to put your, your, yourself into anybody else's shoes. I'm certainly not going to be critical of the people who are putting themselves at risk because of an underlying condition or people that they love in their lives that are in their home or near, or near them on a daily basis. That, that, if, if I had that situation, um, I, you know, I'd probably opt out too unless the money was really, really good. Yeah, me too. Uh... All right, quick word about Roman. Um, If you were to guess on average how many days people have to wait to see a doctor, this should actually be, if you had to guess on how many days people in the U.S. have to wait for their COVID-19 results, it's actually close to a month to see a doctor in most places. In most major U.S. cities, you actually have to wait 30 days on average to see a doctor. If you're struggling with something like erectile dysfunction, ED, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that connects you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Grab your phone or your computer, complete a free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor thinks treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. Plus, you'll get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you've got questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel anytime. If you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com. Use my promo code for this one. It's Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, and you'll get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com, promo code Sheehan for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So the NFL Network, uh, Tommy, does this thing, and they've been doing this thing for several years now. The top 100 players entering the upcoming season voted on by players themselves, and they 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 revealed their top 100 list a little bit later um, than usual, and they did it in four nights. And last night, uh, they did uh, basically the top 10 that got them. Actually, it was the, the final 20 players, I think, they, they went through last night. And there was a big headline out of it. In fact, it's you know one of the biggest sports uh, Twitter trends right now. And I'll get to that um, in a moment because I thought it was pretty interesting. But um, there is no Washington football team player on the top 100, nor should there be. You know, I had a lot of pushback from some people because I talked about this this morning and I was looking at uh, my Twitter responses afterwards and there are a lot of people that said, come on, Kevin, Terry McLaurin's got to be in the top 100. You know, Terry McLaurin's, you know, much better than Allen Robinson who came in at 93 and he's better than Cooper Cup who came in at 89. 
Um, I, I don't think he is, um, and I certainly don't have any problem with Terry McLaurin not being on this list. He played one year. He had 58 receptions last year, under 1,000 yards. He was a phenomenal rookie player, and there's a lot of promise. And next year, he could be on this list. But I, I'm not getting wrapped up into Terry McLaurin not being on uh, this list. Others said, you know, Brandon Sheriff. Well, Brandon Sheriff was hurt most of last year. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that he couldn't have been on this list going into this year. Um, not one Washington football team player on the list. Trent Williams wasn't on the list either. I think that's one of the first times he has not been on the list. Preston Smith was on the list, Tom. He came in at 63. As you I know, think there was somebody else on the list, wasn't there? What do you mean, somebody else? Somebody, another former Redskin on the list, wasn't there? Well, yeah, but he's been on the list. Kirk Cousins, you're talking about the quarterback that used yes. to play here that plays now in yes. Minnesota, right? Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, he came in at 58. He was the number 10 quarterback on this list. So the top 50 have a lot of quarterbacks. Um, Kirk came in as, as the 10th uh, best quarterback uh, on the list at 58. Um, according to his peers, remember, these are players that are voting on this, um, not you know, a bunch of media sites trying to generate NFL interest in the offseason with a list, which is something that they love to do. Um, so the the big controversy off of last night, and it's been a big topic of conversation um, in the NFL uh, uh, sports fan world, is where Patrick Mahomes came in on this list. Last night they revealed the top, you know, 20 players, but I'll give you the top 10. 10 was Derrick Henry, who was the biggest riser on this um in this countdown. He went up 89 spots. He was number 99 last year and he's number 10 this year. Derrick Henry's a wow. beast of a running back. He's not the highest rated running back on the list. I'll get to that in a, mo- uh, in a moment. Stefan Gilmore, the corner in New England, was number nine. DeAndre Hopkins, who's now an Arizona Cardinal, came in at number eight. George Kittle came in at seven. Uh, Gronk is not on the list um, after sitting out last year. Uh, Kelsey came in as the second best tight end, and I think he was at 18. Yeah, there he is at 18. George Kittle's a hell of a player. Michael Thomas, the receiver uh, in New Orleans, who's just ridiculously good, number five. And then they got down to the top four. If you had told me uh, before last night who's going to be number one, I I wouldn't have hesitated. I would have just said Patrick Mahomes is going to be number one. He's not. He's number four on the list. Bef- uh, above him on the list are Aaron Donald at number three. And Aaron Donald was the number one player on last year's list. And he should be the number one defensive player. And he should be in the top five. I have no problem with that. Aaron Donald is a wrecking crew and is one of the best interior D linemen we have seen in the NFL in a long, long time. Russell Wilson was number two. And Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, was number one. I um, asked the following question this morning on my show as a way to sort of spin this out into, for the MVP this year, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite. He's 4-1. to one. Uh, And then uh, it's Lamar Jackson at 6-1. to one. 
followed by Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson at 12 to 1. Dak Prescott's 12 to 1 on sportsbook.com, the third tied for the third favorite to win the MVP. I think there are a lot of people that expect the Cowboys to have a good season. But I asked the question, would you take Patrick Mahomes to win the 2020 MVP, assuming there's a season, full season, or the field? I'm shocked that Patrick Mahomes, by his peers, was not voted the best player in the NFL. Uh, You know, uh, there may be some uh, thought that the weapons that he has around him. I think that may be it. The weapons, and uh, Andy Reid as opposed to John Harbaugh. I mean, John Harbaugh is a great coach. But he's not considered an offensive genius like Andy Reid. Well, no, he's a he, he's a he, he's not an offensive guy at all. Greg Roman's right. the guy right. there, yeah. Right. I, I know. So I think it could be a combination of the weapons that Mahomes has being coached by the guy who's considered one of the great offensive coaches of his time, and Andy Reid. I think that that has to come into play. I think people think Lamar Jackson has a more has has a harder road to travel uh, than Pat Mahomes. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, a huge fan. And I'm, and trust me, this is not meant to be um, disrespectful to Lamar Jackson. He totally deserved the MVP last year. Remember, Mahomes with a, uh, a knee injury missed two games last year. You know, he, he would have threatened a back-to-back MVP uh, situation had he played in those two games. But I think Jackson still may have been the winner of the award, even if Mahomes had played all 16 games. If I were starting a franchise and I had to build a roster today and had my pick of any player in the NFL, it wouldn't even be a thought. And I think most people would think the same. It would be Mahomes. Uh, I think you're right that what goes into this is the thought that Mahomes has all those weapons and, as you mentioned, Andy Reid and a really good team. Mahomes brought that team back from three deficits in the postseason last year. They were down 24 nothing in that first playoff game against Houston, and he threw for five touchdowns in a quarter and a half. We've never seen a performance – like Patrick Mahomes' performance in that divisional round playoff game against Houston, like what he did in a quarter and a half of football after they fell behind 24 to nothing. He threw five touchdown passes in basically barely less than two quarters to go from 24 nothing down to up 41 to 28 or whatever it was. And they won 51. They put up 51 points in two and a half quarters. It was amazing what they did. They didn't. They were down 24 nothing midway through the second quarter. Tommy midway through the second quarter, and they ran off 41 points, and he threw five touchdown passes in less than a quarter and a half. I agree. I agree with you. My my choice, and I'm glad to see him still rated so high. My choice of any player to have would be Russell Wilson. I think he totally deserves to be number two or in the conversation of number two. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, he, but I agree with everything you're saying about Mahomes. I, I think most people, most NFL fans, if they were running a team and an expansion team and you got to pick any player in the NFL to start that expansion team, I think most would pick Mahomes. Now, maybe some would pick Lamar Jackson or, or Russell Wilson, 
Um, but I wouldn't. I would pick Mahomes. Uh, by the way, on Russell Wilson, he totally deserves to be there in that number two spot. He was number 25 last year, and it was way too low. The best thing about Russell Wilson is that, like Jackson and really like Mahomes, and like Rodgers, maybe not as you know prolific at this as he used to be, there just aren't better playmakers at the position, and they're among the greatest playmakers in the history of the game already at the position. You know, Wilson, Mahomes, and Jackson. And here's the other thing about Wilson. I think, I think this is true. He hasn't missed a start. And he just gets ever. better each year, too, Tommy. He I gets mean, he, better he, he each year. healthy. A guy who moves around like that and has not missed a start due to injury. Is that true he hasn't missed a start? I don't think he has. That's really, really impressive. I'm... Yeah, you're hundred percent right. He has started sixteen games every single year since he came into the league as a rookie in twenty twelve. Yeah. I mean, for a quarterback, that's absolutely remarkable. For a quarterback who uh at times has not had the best offensive line in front of him, remarkable. You know there are it's the most important position in the sport. You could argue it's the most important position in all sports. Um, uh, you know, the days of, you know, you take the great pass rusher over the great quarterback, if there ever were days like that, I, I, I wouldn't think that way. Russell Wilson also, um, you know, th- this franchise, the Seahawks, certainly wasn't, you know, a, they, they had their moments. They were in that Super Bowl against the Steelers in 2005 and, when Mike Holmgren was coaching them. This guy, yeah. this guy who came into the league in 2012 has been to the playoffs every single year with the exception of one season that was in 2017. He's started in 15 playoff games already through his career. He's 9-6 and six as a playoff quarterback. He's the most impactful player on a team that's been very good, you know, with Pete Carroll in 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 this stretch um, with him, uh, but without Russell Wilson, they're not in two different Super Bowl games and a threat to be in the Super Bowl virtually every year. The year that they didn't go to the postseason, they were nine and seven. His record and his team's record as a starting quarterback is eighty six forty one and one. He's been phenomenal. At the same time, what Mahomes has done, uh, I read this um, earlier this morning, and I don't have it up in front of me, but basically if you look at his first three years uh, as a starting quarterback, and remember in 2017, you know, he didn't really – he started that one game at the end of the year. It was Alex Smith's team. So if you look at his – call it the last two years – it is the most prolific start for any player in NFL history. The man has thrown 76 touchdown passes in two years. He's thrown for 9,412 year, uh, yards in two seasons. There's no- I, I, The times I've seen him play sometimes, he plays a position like no one I've ever seen. The only comparison in terms of being such a prolific um, performer that this early in his career is Jim Brown. It's the only comparison. Jim Brown in his first two years in 57 and 58 in a 12-game season rushed for 26 touchdowns in those first two seasons uh, at, at, as a Cleveland Brown. 
and rushed for 942 yards the rookie year and then 15, I think it was a record at the time, 1,527 yards in a 12-game season in 1958. Those are the first two seasons that sort of stack up and are comparable to what Mahomes did at the quarterback position. It's incredible. It is. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so We haven't seen incredible in Washington in a very long time, have we? No, we haven't. You a know, very long time. I'm going to talk about that in a moment to finish up the show. Uh, but speaking of uh, what you haven't seen in a long time is the ability to wager on sports if you're one of those people that likes to do it. I've mentioned my bookie many times. I want to mention it again because if you're new to gambling in particular or if you're an experienced gambler looking for another shop, mybookie.ag is reliable. Um, they're fair. You're going to get good lines, good prices, and you're going to get paid if you win. And right now they're offering a promotion to my listeners. If you use my promo code KevinDC, you'll get a free $10 MLB future wager. But my bookie gives you everything you need, every game bet, every prop bet, every futures opportunity, um, including a free $10 MLB future wager if you sign up using my promo code KevinDC. MyBookie.ag. They got everything you're looking for. And again, sometimes you can fall into a an offshore shop in particular where you're not going to get paid or you're not going to get paid quickly or they're trying to get gouge you a little bit on pricing or point spreads, that's not going to happen at mybookie.ag. Use my promo code uh, KevinDC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, and you'll get a free $10 MLB future wager. So real quickly, before we finish up for the day, um, off of this top 100 list, Tommy, in recent years we have talked about the Washington football team's lack of talent. You know, one of it's, you know, starts top down. You got terrible management, terrible ownership, bad management, bad leadership, bad coaching, and you haven't had a lot of talent to boot. You know, it's like John McKay, the old Buccaneers coach who was one of the funniest men in sports when he was coaching Tampa Bay and before that, uh, uh, USC, the University of Southern California, about those early Buccaneer teams that he coached in 1976. Well, you know, we don't block well, we turn the ball over, but we've made up for it by dropping a lot of passes. And that's basically what the Redskins have been. You know, they got terrible management, terrible leadership, bad coaching, but, you know, they make up for it with just terrible talent on top of that. Um, They've had bad talent for the most part. And in thinking about high-level players – on the top 100 list, where you can start to talk about players. And in in the past, Tommy, I've defined like an A player or a blue chip player as a player that you could reasonably or realistically debate as a top five player at their position. Do you know how many of those they've had in recent years? Tell me, Kevin. You guess. Preach to me. No, I want you to tell me. Trent Williams was an A player. Trent Williams was one of those players you could discuss as a top five player at their position. Jordan Reed, when he was healthy, was considered to be one of the top three or four pass-catching tight ends in the league. He was an A-talent, a blue-chip player who just couldn't stay healthy. And then Tress Way has become 
an A player at his position. He's one of the best three or four punters in the NFL. So the question this morning is, do they have any on their roster right now? Tressway they still have on the roster. I don't see another A player on the roster right now. I see some potential A players like Chase Young and Deron Payne in particular. And the reason I single him out maybe more than John Allen is that Deron Payne is a true athletic freak. If he is really dialed in and focused on football and gets coached well, which I think will happen, Deron Payne has a chance, maybe more so than John Allen, to be a superstar at his position. John Allen's going to be steady, Eddie, really good. He's going to make a Pro Bowl or two, but he's not going to be, I don't think, a top five position player. Deron Payne could be Chase Young. I'm very excited about what he could become as a pass rusher. Uh, I don't know that Terry McLaurin's ever going to be a top five kind of guy, but I think he's a definite number one receiver. And Brandon Sheriff would be the other guy that I would say he's talented enough if he can stay healthy enough to be considered a top five guard in the NFL. That's the list. Well, the last one may not be here next year. Uh, That's true. uh, That's right. He's playing on the franchise tag. Yes. Yeah. you're right. I mean, for the most part, I mean, uh, th- that's pretty much it. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you, you know when you notice it? You notice it, and, I mean, it should be obvious to us sometimes, but sometimes it's like a house falling on you. When you watch N- NFL playoffs, after watching a full season of pretty much the Redskins most of the time, like, you know, I, I, I go to all the home games, I go to a couple of the away games, and I'm writing after the game, so I don't necessarily watch the second games. So I don't watch as much football as you and other teams. And then when I watch the NFL playoffs, it's just so stark, the difference in talent, the difference that you see on the field compared to what I just covered for a year. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. It's just, But it's a stunning it's still a stunning revelation. How it's like a different game. Yeah, I mean, I think and what what happens to when you're really invested in one team as a fan and you don't really watch the rest of the league, which I think a lot of people in our fan base, although not so much in recent years, I'll tell you, I know uh, I have a lot of friends in the media who are at the games every Sunday or travel with the team and because of the way they're covering the team as yes. as a reporter don't get a chance to really sit down and watch the rest of the league every Sunday because they yes, it's, it, they don't have that chance and I I think that their perspective is a little bit um different than those that 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 really watch the league. I love the league. I love football. I mean, during the fall on Saturdays and Sundays, I I watch a lot of football. And I've, you know, known for years the difference between this team and really good teams. And I you know, Trent Williams has always been an interesting conversation because over the years, a lot of fans of the team and even media members have said Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. And if he's not the best, he's certainly one of the top two or three. And I always said, I think that's a little bit high. 
I think you know he's in the conversation for the top five, and he's certainly in terms of athleticism one of the top three in the league. But have you seen Teron Smith play? Have you seen Jason Peters play? Have you seen just in our division? There are some really good left tackles. And um, and that's a position that's always so hard for a normal fan to evaluate anyway. I always I mean, I think when we when when we as fans start to really trying to evaluate and be definitive on offensive linemen in particular, I would even say defensive backs to a certain degree, because you have no idea what their responsibilities are. I think we get those positions wrong so much because we just don't know enough. I think the skill yeah. position players you know, um, I think we, as fans, can evaluate what we see, and we know what characteristics are really important, and the nuances of those positions to a certain degree more than the others. It's really hard. How the hell am I going to tell you whether or not you know Brandon Sheriff really had a good game? I can tell how how athletic he is compared to other guards. You can see that on a screen. You can see that if he's pulling. You can see that in some of the zone run scheme stuff, but I can't tell you much more than that. But, you know, they're better than they've been, I think, on paper, on defense in particular. I mean, I think Sweat's got a lot of talent. Allen, and I've already mentioned Payne and Young, and I think Landon Collins is a good player. You know, he certainly I think he is too. He certainly wasn't worth necessarily the highest paid contract to a safety in NFL history, but that's what it took to get him and they've got a really good player in Landon Collins. A really good player in Collins. Um but you know, keep your expectations even though my expectations on Ron are, you know, optimistic and even on Dwayne are optimistic and I do like the defensive front in particular. But this is still a team when stacked up against most depth charts in the NFL, it's going to be in the bottom third. And it's not going to have on the team right now as we see it massive impact game-changing A players. Darius Geis, I wanted to mention real quickly. If he stays healthy, big if. I saw enough last year in that game against Carolina and even that that brief uh, period that he was in against Green Bay to think that he could be a really good NFL player. Really good. I mean, I'm excited about him if he can stay healthy. I just am not counting on it, I guess. I also am excited about Steven Sims Jr. I think he looks like one of their best impact playmakers and almost looks like a, you know, a poor man's version, for the lack of a better description, of Tyreek Hill. He's that kind of player. Well, since, since they're going through wide receivers like Water on this team, he's probably going to get a chance to play. Speaking of wide receivers, your number one player in the top 100, Lamar Jackson, has come out and said he wants the Ravens to sign Antonio Brown. Not, and not only has he want, not only does he want them to sign Antonio Brown, he said they need him in their locker room. Yeah. Is Antonio Brown retired or not retired? Has he given up? I mean, uh, you know, it's just the I know, he may be he may be suspended still for all I know. I mean, the social media stuff from Antonio Brown reveals um, a person that is bipolar. Um, is well, let, let's just use our normal description. He, he's he's troubled. At the very least. A little bit. 
I mean, a little bit, but the, the number one player in the league wants him to be his wide receiver. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just the, the Redskins uh, youngster who wants him. Apparently others want Antonio Brown as well. Yeah, right. Well, um, uh, good luck with that. You know, Baltimore, they've got, they've got Hollywood Brown there as a receiver, which really gives them – you know, something they haven't had in a long, long time, which is a potential star at wide receiver. I mean, think about the 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 wide receiver situation the Ravens have had for many years. It just hasn't been good enough. They've obviously got all those running backs, and they added the kid from Ohio State, too, in the draft, which was incredible yeah. that, that um, uh, what's his face, J.K. Dobbins. Eric the... uh, J- oh, okay. yeah, J.K. Dobbins was still around in the second round. And they've got Mark Ingram still on the team. That kid Gus Edwards has turned into a really good player. You know what's interesting? I know that this is so – people are going to be like, why are you even mentioning his name? I wonder if Robert Griffin III is going to make that team. Because they drafted Trace McSorley last year, and they yeah. love McSorley. They now, love him. Now, they had him on the roster last year and used him in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think if I'm Baltimore, unless – you know, he's a pain in the ass, which we have not uh, heard that about him in Baltimore at all. There have been compliments over the top from, you know, Harbaugh and others. But you've got to keep RG3 there because if Jackson gets hurt, RG3 is his perfect replacement in terms of the way he plays. I would agree. Like we've always said, like we said about RG3, uh, you know, when he was a starter uh, or trying to still be a starter, it's difficult to come up with a backup quarterback who can at least match the way a quarterback like that plays. It's almost like if you don't get a similar kind of player, you've got to come up with two different offenses. Right. Uh, and uh, you're right, with RG3, he can be a lesser version of Lamar Jackson but still run the same offense. Last thing, um, the ACC is moving forward with a football schedule. Um, They're going to play 11 games, one non-conference game, which is what the Big Ten isn't doing. The Big Ten and I think the Pac-12 have both already said they're not going to play anything but a conference schedule. And Notre Dame is going to be a part of the ACC in football this year. Uh, because as an independent, with all of these schools that w- will that are in conferences that where they're only going to play a conference schedule, they essentially lost half their schedule. So Notre Dame's going to play in the ACC. They're saying that this is just for this year. Um, that this is an unusual, obviously, year. Uh, but there are a lot of people think that college football's got no shot. You know, but. I don't know. There's a lot of money at stake in that in that sport too, Tommy. I mean, it's the NFL one and college football two in this country in terms of revenue generation. Uh, so, and remember, in college football, they pretty much fund everything everything else that goes on at that school, athletically and academically, in many cases. So, I think they're going to make an effort too to to try to pull this off. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, as uh, what's-his-face said in the movie Taken. Liam Nielsen. Liam Neeson, yeah. Uh, he didn't say it. The uh, bad guy said it. As he, when he said, what was the line? You know, he said, 
what I do for a living is I find people like you, I search them out, I find them, and I kill them. Whatever, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. What was that line yeah. from I Liam have a, Neeson? I have a certain, I have a special set of Special skills. set of skills, yeah. Yes. By the way, one recommendation to music fans out there, mm-hmm. I watched a documentary the other night on YouTube called A.K.A. Doc Thomas about this great songwriter uh, in the 50s and the 60s called Doc Thomas. Highly recommended to anybody. Really worth watching. A remarkable untold story. Really? Okay. Yes. I've been looking for something. You know what I came across that I had not seen? I, I don't think it's very old. Um, the HBO documentary on Leonard Skinner. Really? It was so. Wow. It was really, really well done. I really, I enjoyed it. I just happened to have stumbled upon it late at night last week, and watched it. And what I mean, you talk about a bunch of guys that partied. Um, but coming out of the South and, you know, some incredibly iconic songs, obviously Freebird, um, one of the, one of the true iconic I, songs from that I era. Love the, uh, I love the Skitter songbook. And the... Tuesday's God is my favorite song. And they, the, you know, the, the, there was a lot of infighting and uh, Ronnie Van Zant, who was one of the members that was killed in the plane uh, plane crash, um, was really a character, and he was their lead vocalist. There, there, it's just, it was a, it was well done. In that plane crash, man, they should have never got on that plane. There were people telling them, well, "Do many, not get on that how plane." How many times do you hear that about there rock was, and roll? Yeah, I know there was a problem All with the, the plane, and they said, "Ah, let's just go for it." Uh, and they lost uh, several members of the band in that crash, which happened in 1977. Uh, here is the exact Liam Neeson line. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Good luck. That is, okay, one last thing. What's the better revenge uh, recover movie? Taken or Man on Fire? I don't know Man on Fire. <laughs> You've never seen Man on Fire with Denzel? No. I, and maybe, Christopher Walken, maybe, our old friend? Maybe I have. Oh, you got to watch Man on Fire. I don't. Absolutely. Right now, go home and watch Man on Fire. And then you'll see the debate between that and Taken. Denzel is great. Christopher Walken, our old buddy, is fabulous. Man on Fire. Okay. You know what's been on a lot recently are the Born, you know, Supremacy, Born Ultimatum movies. I think those movies are really good. They, yeah, and they, I think I, I think they're really good, too. I, I'm not a huge fan, but I always enjoyed them. Uh, and you have the one with Jeremy, what's his name, Jeremy Renner? Yeah, J- Jeremy, Ren- Ren- Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Yeah. Who did a pretty good job. Great job. 
you know, doing he that. He was really because, good in know, that movie, The Town, with Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, he he's a great. But he we were used to Matt Damon in that role. That's right. And he picked he picked it up without missing a beat. Well, the ones so the, I've always enjoyed the those. first several with Matt Damon are better. Yes. Anyway, all right, we're done for the day. I'm done with you. Um, I will talk to you next week. Uh, you're getting right, you're, you're getting your COVID test today. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right. Good luck with that. Tell me how it goes. You might get the results before you leave for uh, the beach. You probably won't, though. All right. See ya. We're done for the day. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow.